is Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. I heard this genius student on Instagram say something genius recently on the financial side. He said, all these people are trying to get five to seven uh, sources of passive income because that's what all the wealthy people do. Mm-hmm. He goes, what no one talks about is how the wealthy people only have five to seven sources of passive income because they did one thing for a long time really hard to get that money. Then they needed a place to put it. He was yeah. like, so it's dumb to think I need to, I'm shooting for five to seven instead of saying, what's the one thing I can do that I'm passionate about yeah. that I can build that, yeah. build the, the, the wealth up in that one thing. Then you can start Investing. diversifying that into yeah. other things. So, but all these people are trying to get all these sources of passive income instead of saying, first. right. Instead yeah. of saying first, I got to build the foundation of like yeah. the, the money to do that. Yeah. That's, there's the seed money that funded all those mm-hmm. passive incomes. Yeah. One of the things that's so sad is just the lack of, of, uh, financial education. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know anything until me and you started talking about stuff. I mean, I was, I was 20, but still I was 20. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, that's old enough to know stuff. I remember I, I'm still ticked that I didn't start investing until I was 37. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still. And it's just, it's just not something that's very no commonplace and, and yeah. And how it's taught or how that's it's talked normal. about. I had one of my, I remember one of my teachers looking back, she didn't say it like as eloquently as we might have in regards to just discussing the types of investments, but somebody brought up back at the, at the time, Bill Gates was still the richest person in the world. And so, uh, somebody had mentioned like, Oh, can you imagine just having that much money? Like I want to swim in that money and just making just statements like that. We're eight, we're eighth graders. Yeah, and yeah. so oh, like, okay, okay. and so we're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to Scrooge McDuck, just dive in the coins or whatever. And the teacher's like, we well, you know he doesn't just have all that money. And we were like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, like, yeah, the money's all put in different places to make more money. We were like, money makes money. And like, <laughs> and so I wish I would have do- like went down that path Wait and pursued more. But she was like, yeah, there's, you can put your money in different banks. You can put your money in mm-hmm. different, different types of funds and things like that, where the money just continuously builds. And that's how he stays the richest person in the world. And we were like, what? I, I remember uh, being a kid and somebody gave me some money in my, I don't remember how it went, but a friend of mine was like trying to grab it out of my hand and ripped it in mm-hmm. half, right? Not quite in half. We always say in half, but we hardly ever mean in half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's I something, that, exactly. that's something <laughs> that really bothers me, by the way. <laughs> like we ripped it in half. You ripped it in two. Like yeah. let's, let's measure it. That's a great way to say <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So half is actually a standard of measure. Anyway, uh, and I remember going, oh, great. Now I don't have this money anymore. My dad was like, no, the bank will still take this piece, you know, like, and I was like, well, why don't we rip all of our money? <laughs> Double our money. Right down the middle. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, because it has to be more than 50%. They have to be able to determine mm. that it's more than 50% of the bill for them to still take it at the bank. But for a little bit there, for like 15 seconds as a kid, I thought, I know how to double know, all of our yeah. money right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine if you literally ripped it 51%. Yeah. They, they wouldn't be able to tell. The, que- the question is, 49, 49 and 51 is really yeah. close. The on question them. is, yeah. who's the bank employee? Like, <laughs> that's, the, that's the real question. There was a, there was a commercial. Go try that today, bank fraud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, right. There I mean, was a commercial. There's no difference between ripping it in half and then what the government's been doing the last oh, few gotcha. years True, with right? the dollar. There was a Nickelodeon commercial years ago that was like, print your own money. And I remember like running to my parents' room and being like, guys, you've got to see this. This is insane. And it was like this, this kid in a closet, like I, I made $200,000 a day <laughs> just printing out $1 bills. And I was like, dad, come on. You wouldn't have to work anymore at all. And then he left and I was like, that's sad. <laughs> and then my dad left us because he started printing his own money. I tried to do in middle school, like sixth, seventh grade, 
I tried to make paper the size of a dollar bill so I could do it in the snack machines at school. <laughs> so that was that was probably <laughs> well, not the path my, for me to go down. My, to count, so learning how to counterfeit money. That was right. Yeah. I, I will. I'm gonna about to admit to a federal felony. Oh, there we go. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. I'm recording. I, uh, I never counterfeited money, but one time I wanted to send an anonymous love letter to a girl, and I was an artist, right? And so I put a stamp on there that had already been canceled. And then I drew the postal stamp that goes over it. Oh my god! With ink and everything, and I drew the barcodes and all that on the letter to try to get it to her. <laughs> and so you couldn't afford a stamp. No, no, no. Because I, I had, I had to do it from a place where it looked like it had been postmarked in a different state, oh. where it didn't look like it had been postmarked in our city. Okay, right. Yeah. I was trying to hide where it was being sent from. Got it. Does that make sense? Got it. And, and so, like, I mean, artistically, I was like, That's impressive. this is beautiful mm -hmm. because the little circle stamp right that you know and then it has the little lines and says where it's from and all that stuff i had received a letter from a friend of mine from tennessee so i just kind of copied that mm -hmm. and and yeah it, and that's not okay no it, and it, i don't she never got it or never heard about it or anything so like i discreetly the asked later so post office was like uh, <laughs> government's yeah, what like is, wait, what a is this? <laughs> wait a minute this there's, is fake there's a letter letter still floating around that the post office employees give to each other they're like this yeah. is a reminder reminder of of how stupid these kids are <laughs> that's, right, yeah. that's so funny all right let's go to the pcc let's do come it. on over to pierce's culture corner everybody uh yeah so i have a question for you guys this is i saw an instagram post about this and it was just during a uh, during a conversation between three guys, I don't know what the podcast is about, but the clip I saw, uh, some guy said, yeah, you know, they're multiplying 30 by 15. And then one of the guys interrupted and said how he does that in his head, multiplying 30 by 15. And the guy talking goes, wait a minute, what you do it? How? So I'm curious if somebody tells you guys to multiply 30 times 15 in your head, what do you do? 15 times three at the zero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 15 times three at a zero. But, I think that's what or Hannah I, does. I will also... I think it depends for me because I'm not opposed to doing 30 times 10 and 30 times 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, I think, I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. my natural okay. go-to. Yeah. But then Hannah told me that and I was but like... The add the, the zero is easier. The add the zero is way easier. And yeah. it, I always do it, but obviously with 10 and 100 and 1,000, right. like all that. But like for some reason, I just didn't connect the dots in my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much... <laughs> that's, it's, that's, yeah, it's exactly. one equation versus two. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, it's or so three, much easier. Right. Uh, yeah, two okay. multiplications and then addition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So another one... 48 plus 38. How do you guys do that in your head? 48 plus 38. Mm -hmm. I'll take two away from the 38, add it to the 48. And now I have 50 plus 36. How interesting. I go tens. Okay. So I go 40 plus 30 and then eight plus eight. That's what I do. Oh, yeah. So 40 plus 30 plus 16. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. for whatever reason, addition, maybe it's because I was not a great student in math, but addition's harder for me to do quickly yeah mm -hmm. so like it's easier for me to know oh 40 plus 30 is 70 8 plus yeah, 8 yeah. 16 yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah that's how that's how it works for me as well so like the the take the two away i don't know what it is in my head but like the second i start taking things away i'm like oh god now i gotta remember <laughs> so all what'd you, yeah, no, yeah. what'd you do again well 48 is close to 50 so i just borrowed two from the 38 and now i have 50 and 36 i see i see yeah that makes sense too. which seems a lot cleaner uh, i don't than... know i think yours is cleaner oh really yeah yeah um, there was, there was one more thing. So what was interesting about there, so we did, so y'all two did one the same, I did one different then we did one the same and you did one different. So right. for them, for, they brought up like four or five different equations. Everyone did something different every time. And they were like, wow. we have three different, and I wish I could remember exactly what this was I a few weeks ago. I wonder if that's based on the teacher, like your elementary school teachers or middle school teachers. And yeah, maybe. Taught that stuff. I wish that, so whenever I was tutoring, I had a, uh, I worked with 
Darren Morrison. I don't know if you all know the name. Oh, at all. yeah. Um, Gosh, she's infamous. Yeah, yeah, you do. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> I was like, wow, hey, I missed out on something. Uh, so there's a couple of Morrisons who used to work over at CFC, and I, for, I forget which is which, but I think it was Darren that I was t- hanging out with. And he was telling me. They didn't me, have CFC when I was in school. Yeah, that's right. Well, they were at Edison before that. Yes. <laughs> um, so I was talking, he was talking before the class, and he goes, Man, I've noticed that like everything. It's just calculator tricks now. He's like, everything's calculator tricks. He's like, that's not wrong. Like we have calculators in our pockets. Like it's fine to know the tricks to do calculator stuff. He's like, but I'm curious if any of them have ever been taught shorthand, like anything in their head that they could just do really quickly. Yeah. Is anybody actually able and to do math anymore? Exactly. This was, yeah. this was at least 10 years ago, maybe like 13 years ago now. Um, and he asked that question and none of the students were like, I have no idea how, mm. how I do that, how I do that in my head. Like, even if you ask them 48 plus 38, they'd be like, oh gosh. And they would like have to like really sit back and really think about it because they just see two <laughs> Too uneven or too uh, not, they're not tinned out. Like they're not, yeah. it's not like 40 plus 30. It's oh, 48 plus 30. Oh my gosh. Um, and so he's, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to do the lesson today. We're just going to learn shorthand stuff. Mm. So he spent 40 minutes just like talking about different ways to multiply in your head, different ways to add in your head. And I was like, so to answer your question, I'm curious if it's even a thought now, just because like if teachers even think about teaching it, no idea. I would hope, I would hope so. Like just because it's so much easier, well, I think especially a, thinking about like finances, you're doing quick math in your head with your buying stuff. I was going to say, I think there's an aspect, <laughs> the benefit of it, learning that is there's an aspect of reasoning that goes along with it. Like, mm-hmm. like how you did it probably is based on how you reason through things. I'm guessing it's, yeah, it's very interesting, right? Like it's simpler for yeah. you to think I'm going to borrow two over here. Yeah. So there's a, there's a matter of not it's, just learning it's for me, one round number. Yes. You, you got down to two round numbers, yeah. which makes sense as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's it's like, can you reason through it? Yeah. Can you figure out a solution? It's troubleshooting. I think that's what's lacking in a lot of teaching now is there's Agreed. too much memorize and regurgitate and not actually learning how mm-hmm. to like process through things and reason yeah. through it. And which, is, yeah. which is one yeah. of my favorite things. That's why I love being a math tutor so much. I, I didn't like tutoring geometry because I think it's chaos because there's so many formulas <laughs> to do. But what I love tutoring is algebra is that same algebra thing. It's like we, sure. we, have a, we have ground rules with the language of algebra. Yeah. And if we understand these ground rules, we can be given any equation and understand how to work our way out of it. So like it, it's teaching reasoning is what it is. It's teaching problem solving because yeah. in life, there's going to be situations where you know the reality of the situation. You know what you need the outcome to be. How can I get there based off the reality of the situation? Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that there's so many kids that were like, dude, I'm never going to use this. And I was like, let me tell you how you use this. And then I'll just walk through the problem solving aspect of it. And then they would view it way differently because then mm-hmm. it was like, okay, my goal here should be not, not focus on every individual question as it's in, as it's an island, but rather how can I learn these rules so that when I'm given a question, <laughs> I can figure go figure it out. Exactly. I I basically failed the first, and which is probably why I'm so passionate about why I was so passionate in teaching it. I almost failed the first six weeks of algebra when I took it because it wasn't taught to me that way. It was taught in a very regurgitate type of it way. It wasn't taught to me that way. Mm-hmm. I think I would have done better if, yeah. it, if it wasn't like, well, here's what I was told. There's one answer. And then I learned later from math professors, there's yeah. rarely just one answer in math. It's mm-hmm. like, or sorry. There's there might be one answer. There's really one way to get to that answer, dude. So sure, that, and, that, and that's that's why I love conversations like this about how do we do math because that's another reason why I love doing tutoring because I would step back and be like, does this make any sense to you? And they say no. I say, okay, well let's try to go this way with it. Like, oh, that's what that number is doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now we know how you think. Yeah. That's and that's cool. and that's even how I approach like doing media at the church is I'll I'll ask people before we before I teach them how to do stuff I say, do you want to know the concept and why we do things the way we do or do you need a strict schedule to just follow the rules? And Most people say and, scheduled nothing. Uh, it's about half and half, actually. Oh, okay. So, like, okay. uh, I forget who I was talking to recently. Is but, it? But, well, no, sorry. <laughs> I, I said about. I said about. <laughs> clearly divided. Restrained to. You did modify. You did yeah. modify. About, yeah. Uh, 
I forget who it was. It might've been Tobin or somebody else, but, um, but like, I'd, give me the I'd shortest give it, answer. I, yeah, right. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I gave them the, I gave them the schedule and then they were like, okay, now give me the reason why. And they're like, okay, that makes more, more sense. And so understanding, okay, anybody's on stage, we're going to do this. Anytime Mike is doing this, we're going to fade that light up. Like understanding what to look for, why to look for. And mm -hmm. then if, if you're in a situation where something's not on the schedule, you can problem solve because I know kind of the concepts yeah. of what we're doing, why we're doing the things. But well, there are people who just need a strict schedule. Yeah. yeah. And and then they get to that point, okay, cool. Ryan's up, boom, he do this. Every time Ryan does this, I do this. Right. And that's just what they need. They don't need to know why. They just, mm -hmm. so it's interesting, which is back to kind of what we were saying a second ago when learning math like there's so many ways to apply the the core of what you're learning it's not just learning numbers yeah. or learning the language of math that you're learning problem solving you're learning reasoning should be should yeah, yeah i was yeah. not taught math mm -hmm. that way. there was a, a really great math video i saw the other day and then i know we got to get started wait, wait, wait. did you say math video yeah i i, <laughs> I watch i watched a couple of math videos but this one was I love it this one was a, a kind of a funny math video and this guy was being interviewed and he was like I speak eight languages. He goes, I have a seventh or eighth grade education. And he goes, but I, I know math. I know all the equations. I know all the formulas. And as he's talking, the interviewer goes, okay, so like what's 12 by 12, 12 times 12. And he goes, 12 times 12 is 92. And, and he goes, and the thing about me is that I'm really, I'm really good at knowing this stuff and I'm really good at languages. And he goes, wait, 12 times 12 is 92. He goes, no, 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 that's not right. 968,032? No, 24. 12 times 12 is 24. <laughs> and he just keeps throwing out these different answers. And I loved it. Yeah. It was the best two Wait, minutes of my why day. Was he in, why was he getting interviewed? I have no idea. That's so All funny. All I saw was this clip there of was him a, figuring out 12 times 12. There was a guy that he was, uh, he said, give me any math problem. I'll give you an answer as fast, like the fastest I can get to you. They go 12 times 12. He goes five. <laughs> they, said, they said, that's not right. And he goes, I didn't say it'd be right. I said, I guess I'd give you an answer faster than anybody. <laughs> yep. I love it. All right. We can keep talking about math, but we're not going to, Ryan. Uh, I'll find a way to work it in. Right. What are we talking about today, man? Well, we're going to talk about the Jews first and then the Gentiles second. And that's math. That's because, math. <laughs> because first and second. Uh, yeah. So there's this phrase that appears a couple of times in the book of Romans, but it's a concept that's biblical. It's throughout the whole Bible of the Jews first and then the Gentiles. So salvation and judgment for the Jew first and then the Gentile, these kinds of things. And it, why? Why is that language there? What do we do with that? What does it but mean? But Ryan, doesn't God love everyone the same? Well, actually, Pierce, yes, he does. And that really, I think, gets to the heart of this conversation is that uh, God does love everyone the same, but we still have to deal with this language that occurs. And it's interesting because there are a lot of concepts behind this. Um, I, I will try not to just ramble. I hope that you guys will interject here in a second. But, but Romans... The, the book of Romans is trying to make the case, at least in part, that salvation was not just for the Jews. Salvation also included the Gentiles. That is at least in part what the conversation of Romans is about. It is primarily about righteousness through faith, that righteousness comes through faith. It's not a work of just the laws. It's not just because you're a descendant of Abraham. So what Paul's doing is saying, look, just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you're automatically a person of faith, doesn't automatically mean you're a child of Abraham. It's also for the Gentiles. And so this was a concept that, that the early Jews, including the early apostles, did not understand. They believed that salvation was for them alone. So there's like several things to talk about here, and maybe I've made this too broad or too messy, but Jesus only came to the Jews. Maybe that's where we should start. 
Maybe that's where we should start. Jesus only came to the Jews. Uh, a couple of things to note is that in in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus first sent out the 12 on their first kind of missionary journey, he tells them, do not go to the Gentiles, go only to the lost sheep of Israel, go only to the people of Israel. And that is in contrast, stark contrast to what he says in Matthew 28 in Acts 1, where right before mm-hmm. he ascends into heaven, mm-hmm. he tells the apostles, go from Jerusalem to, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so we have the benefit here in 2024 of going, oh yeah, he meant go to everybody. But what's interesting is the apostles did not know that he meant go to everybody. They thought he meant go to the Jews. To the ends of the earth where the Jews, like all right. the Jews who are scattered across the right. world. Yeah. yeah, 700 years prior to that, prior to Christ, uh, the Assyrian captivity had happened. 500 years uh, prior to that moment, the Babylonian captivity had happened. And so the Jews in those two captivities had been scattered across the world. Paul, in the book of Acts, he's doing all these missionary journeys, but he's always going into synagogues all over the world, mm-hmm. in Asia, in Macedonia, in, in Turkey, Greece, right? Like in all these places, he's going in and he's speaking in Jewish synagogues. How'd they get there? Well, they've been there for about 500 years. And, and so the Jews believed, the apostles believed that that's what they were supposed to do. That shifted for them in Acts 10, where Peter gets invited to Cornelius' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter sees a vision three times of a sheet let down with with uh, all these creeping things in it that are profane for the Jews to eat. God mm-hmm. says, arise, Peter, kill and eat. Long story short, that is God's model. God says, don't call holy what I, don't call profane what I've called holy. Mm-hmm. He gets invited to a Gentile's house, preaches the gospel to them, and they all come to faith. But in chapter 11 of Acts, when Peter shows back up in Jerusalem, the rest of the apostles are ripping him for going to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to understand that while we in 2024 recognize the difference between Matthew 10 and Matthew 28 from don't go to the Gentiles, only go to the Jews, to go to the whole world, from the Jewish perspective, both of those commands were the same. It's just the first one was, let's stick around Jerusalem. And the second one was, go get all the rest of the Jews who are scattered around the world. Mm-hmm. So from the Jewish perspective in the early first century, they believed salvation was only for them. Mm-hmm. They believed it was only for the covenant people of Abraham. They believed it was only for the people of circumcision. They believed it was only for the people of the law. And all of those things, anyway, they They just thought it was for them. They didn't read Genesis 12, where it says of Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations Mm -hmm. as a multitude of nations. They considered it the size of Israel. Like Israel is going to be so big. It's going to be as big as many nations. They didn't consider uh, that. They didn't consider Egypt. They didn't consider Exodus 12, where it says a mixed multitude of people went up with the Israelites out of Egypt and became part of and party to the law of God and what God showed the people right. on Mount Sinai. Right. And and so, but salvation was for the Jews. Jesus, to fulfill the scripture, because all the scripture is written by Jewish people. Hmm. All the, the Bible tells us in Romans 9 that to the Jews came the covenants, to them came the promises, to them belong the, the fathers, the ancestral fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To them came Jesus according to the flesh. So the Jews were the ones who God had made a covenant with. The Jews were the ones that God had promised and foretold through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Zechariah and Jonah and all these other places foreshadowed. David, the king through in the Psalms, had foreshadowed the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, to fulfill all these things, had to come to the Jews, had to, to minister to the Jews. And there's another really interesting thing. The Jews that he came to had to not believe him. They, they, had mm-hmm. to, they had to miss yeah. him, mm-hmm. which is why this text from Isaiah 6, um, who shall I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. 
And he says, go and speak to my people, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but not understanding. And he says, how long, O Lord? And he says, until the cities lie desolate. And and so that quote, may they be ever seeing and never perceiving, is quoted by John in the book of John. It's quoted by Jesus, it's quoted by Peter, and it's quoted by Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them referencing this idea that the Jews in the days of Jesus missed him. They didn't get who he was so that they would crucify him mm-hmm. and so that he would become available to the Gentiles as well. All right, I'm almost done building the foundation. You guys okay? Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So one of the things that Jesus does in the last days of his life, last seven days, is he sees a fig tree as he's traveling from Bethany back to Jerusalem. It's a two-mile walk. sees a fig tree. He goes to it looking for figs. And this is Matthew 21 and Mark 11. And he says that there's no figs on it because it's not the season for figs is what the text in Mark 11 says. And so he curses it because it's not the season for figs. And he says, may no one ever eat figs from you again. And it withers immediately. So it says he comes to it looking for fruit, but it wasn't the season for fruit. The next two parables he tells are about taking the kingdom of God away from the Jews and giving it to the Gentile people who, quote, will bear the fruit of it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then in Matthew 24, when he's giving them the signs of his return, he says, when you see the fig tree put forth leaf again, you'll know the days are near. I think the fig tree is a picture of the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. He came to them looking for fruit, but it wasn't the time for fruit. So he's giving the kingdom to the Gentiles so that fruit can be born. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible tells us, I'm putting all this together, but Romans 11 tells us that, um, that Israel has been cut off from the gospel and Gentiles have been grafted back in, but the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And it says in Romans 11, 25, a hardening has happened, a withering has happened to the Jews until the full number of Gentiles will be brought in and then the Jews will be awakened to faith. And so there's all these pictures. In fact, anytime you might have noticed this as you're reading through the uh, the gospels, anytime Jesus heals someone in a Jewish community, even when he's casting out demons and they say, you're the son of God, he tells them, be quiet, don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. But when he's doing healings in Gentile communities like the the demoniac, he goes, Mm -hmm. go tell everybody uh, because he was laying the groundwork. Mm -hmm. So Jesus had to come to the Jews. Mm -hmm. The prophecies foretold that. Jesus had to be rejected by the Jews. The prophecies foretold that. Mm -hmm. Jesus had to be killed by the Jews. The prophecies foretold that. And then uh, Isaiah 52 and 53, what no eye had seen, what no ear had heard. Sorry, that's a different quote. Uh, he (laughs) He says in Isaiah 52 of the Gentile nations, those who had never heard believed. Those who had never seen came to understand. So it's a reference to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Then Isaiah 53, 1, the very next verse says, but who believed our report? And that's about Israel. Mm-hmm. So there's, these, there's this dichotomy mm-hmm. that the Gentiles were going to believe that Israel wasn't. So Jesus is coming to the Jew first to fulfill the scripture, but laying the groundwork for second, mm-hmm. for the Gentiles. And so, I don't know. That's the whole topic. We're, we're done. So, <laughs> no, but but here's what I, this is Romans. So Romans 1, beginning in verse 16, says, um, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. By the way, in the book of John, Jesus says salvation is of the Jews. Mm-hmm. So like salvation came through the Jews of John the Jews. John 4, he says that to this woman at the well. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. thank Same you. thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, maybe that's where it is. Did I say John 5? It's in, Jesus says it in the book of John, but I can't remember where. Maybe that's it. There maybe might be another one. He for sure says it to the woman yeah, yeah. at the well in John yeah. 4. Yeah. 
so he says this, for uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek, the Gentile. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed for faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then if you go down to chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, it says, God will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. By the way, when you put the whole thing together, the obedience to the truth is the truth of the gospel. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. not. This is not law. It's not mm-hmm. law. He's, he's clear about that as he goes on. Yeah, he's established that already, and he's going to continue to build on that more. So this is the truth of who Christ is. So those who are those who adhere to the truth of Jesus, blessing and eternal life. Those who deny the truth of Jesus, wrath and judgment. Right. Mm-hmm. There, verse nine. There will be tribulations and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first, and also the Greek. Glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. And and so this is really interesting because in Galatians and Colossians we learn that in Christ there's neither Jew or Greek, there's neither Jew or Gentile, mm-hmm. but from a worldly perspective, very practically, there are Jews and Gentiles. Yeah. And the Jews believed salvation was for them alone. The Gentiles, it was, it's crazy because when, I uh, forget where it is that Paul is preaching, he goes into a synagogue and the Jews don't want to hear him anymore on it. And he goes, fine, from this point forward, I'll go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles rejoice. They're like, oh, good. Okay, we want to hear more about this. <laughs> and, and so there's this model in the scripture that these things had to happen to and for the Jews first. Yeah. They're still included in the gospel. Sure. The gifts and calling of God are not irrevocable according, uh, are irrevocable. Sorry. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So meaning that what he has promised to do for the Jews, he will do for the Jews. That's mm-hmm. Romans eleven twenty nine. And so there, God's not done with the Jews. We've talked about that on mm-hmm. here before. We don't think that God is done with Israel. We don't think that Christians are the new Israel or the new Jew. Um, but in Romans 2, well, that's a kind of worms. That's a different thing, different conversation. So change it. Yeah, yeah. People could change the language on that and just say like, we, yeah. you, what you mean is that, that, uh, the body of Christ now is not replacing what Israel was. No, it's absolutely a, it's not. a separate yeah. entity, which whatever. includes Jews and Gentiles. Yes. That's, yeah. that's the mystery of the gospel. Yeah. That includes everybody, but that yeah. doesn't mean that there's still not a place for the nation of Israel as a whole. Like to your point about Jews now, um, there are Jews now who put their faith in Jesus. I, right. I would say probably a very small number if you if you consider the whole 100%. nation of Israel that biologically are in that line. I think as a whole, what you see now is that they are still rejecting Jesus. Yes, but there are some who put faith in Jesus, which you see throughout the New Testament. There are Jew, Jews. I mean, Acts Acts two Jews come from all over the world. Yeah, who speak different languages. Yeah, um, and then they hear Peter preach, and a bunch get saved. Right. Yeah. So this is like. There's there's a sense where Jews Jews were the first to put faith in Jesus. Paul yep. says that in Ephesians one. Yep. We who were the first to hope in Christ. Like yep. the Jews, the Jews, right? There yep. were a group of small group of Jews who were the first people to put faith in Jesus. Who Jesus then sent out, if you will, to be proclaimers of the good news of the of Jesus, the right. gospel to the world, right. Jews and Gentiles. And then you set out that pattern. They thought at first it was just for the scattered Jews. Realized it was for everybody. They're the ones who brought the message now to the Gentiles. Right. Which Jesus started that. Right. And now there are more Gentiles probably than like I'm saying now there are more Gentiles, more non-Jews who put percentage wise, put faith in Jesus. There's also a lot more non-Jews in the world period. Yeah. There's only like 15, 16 right. million so Jews. It's, so, but anyways, point being, it's like there's Jews and Gentiles now. And what you're saying is that God's not done with the nation of Israel no. as a whole. There will be a point when they are 
in essence, brought back yes. in that Drafted regard. In. Yeah. And so there's, again, separate can of worms yeah, on that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But we are not, the church does not replace Israel. No. The church is a separate entity now that re, that includes Jews and Gentiles. And in the church, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, right. male or female. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In, in the eyes of God, because God shows no partiality. Um, One of the things, who was it? Your dad's, uh, your dad's friend, the Messianic Jew, he came and mm. spoke three yeah, or four years I ago. I see his face. I can't remember his name. Um, I, met, I met him at the lunch. Your dad invited me to the lunch and met this guy. And very, the only part of the conversation I remember is he said, you know, we have a lot of people in our churches today who are doing mission work to Africa or doing mission work to Asia or doing mission work here and there and there. And he goes, the Bible divides people into two, to two categories, Jews and Gentiles. He goes, I have yet to go into a church that is doing Jewish evangelism. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. He goes, they're all doing Gentile evangelism. He goes, but the Bible only divides people into two categories, Jews and Gentiles. Where is the church's heart for the Jews it's a fair to question. put faith? It's a uh, super fair question. Mm-hmm. Because of the way the Bible does the dividing line, yep. right? So we're all about, are, are there a lot more nations in, you know, apparently I didn't know this until recently and I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but there's debate as to how many nations there are like in the world. So it depends, uh, like the UN and different people count the nations differently. Oh, I see. So there's not agreement on, how, but what we would argue is there's only one Jewish nation and then there's all the rest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what people do is they go, oh, look, we got to reach these 180 something, 200 and something, depending on who's counting nations. And yet God, God came to the Jews. Mm-hmm. To them was the, the covenant. Jesus was a Jew. To them were the promises. To them uh, belong the 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 adoption as sons. Like to them belongs yeah, the, yeah. that. You know, on a practical level, I think I would be interested in having a conversation with him again. Because on a practical level, I can't think. Are there any examples in the Bible of a non-Jew preaching the gospel to Jews? Say that again. I can't think of any stories in the Scripture. There might be that I'm missing of someone who's a Gentile who is like preaching the gospel to Jews. I don't think we have any, do we have any Gentile preachers in the Bible that we're no, that's privy fair. to? I would, yeah, no, that's fair. It's all the, it's all the other way around. So it's not, it's, it's anecdotal in a sense yeah. of like, you wouldn't make it like a principle. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. like practically it makes the most sense for someone who is contextualized already into a culture. Well, we would make that argument across the board. Yeah. For like a wisdom thing would be like, yeah, yeah, if, yeah it makes more sense. But I'm just thinking like, it'd probably be difficult for me who's not very acclimated to Jewish culture sure, to go in not understanding anything about it and say, sure. let me teach you about Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. It'd actually sure. probably be easier for you because you know the scripture so well that you could have conversations about the, the scripture. scripture, the Old Testament from the Old Testament yeah, I'd have to call you and ask you if I'm having those conversations. <laughs> but I mean, like someone who is a Jew who grew up in that culture, who who learned the Torah at a young age, sure. like who memorized these things, it would be easier, I would assume, for them. Now, backing up from that a little bit, that's just wisdom. Sure. What we need to remember in Romans chapter one is um, the power of the gospel. The, the gospel is the power, not us. Right. So Absolutely. like I could go in and proclaim the gospel knowing that the spirit's going to do his work. The yeah. power is not in my ability to explain it. The power rests yeah. in the which, message of the gospel. Which is what Paul says in, in Corinthians when he says, I didn't want your power to, or your, your, your faith to rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's why I didn't come to you with eloquent speech. I came to you with nothing but the right. cross of Christ. And mm-hmm. so I, tell, if this is like going way off of where you want to go, Tell me, but I'll, just give, you, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little thought. I'm not really, I have some thought. I have wondered if the reason that there is such an affinity for Gentile Christians today 
to revert to living according to the law is because they don't see the distinction you're talking about. Mm. So like, as an example, Mm. I hear people say the reason Jesus taught in parables is so people would understand. Right, which is not true. I love telling stories as like illustration for the text. I love it. I don't think it's like always the best way to go, but like I, this how I do life in general. Sure. So that's when I preach, I'm going to oftentimes tell a story to like punch you in the face with the point of the text. My hope is you remember it. That's not what Jesus was doing. No, Jesus was telling stories, parables so that they wouldn't understand to your point earlier, because Jews had to reject Jesus for the story to happen. Right. The prophecy was that the Jews would reject Jesus. They would kill him. And that brought about the life we have now. It was that we, someone was asking this in a community group, last night like oh it was josh stevenson um about galatians where jesus became a curse for us like what does that mean and i just told him i was like where where we land on it is that jesus was born under the law yeah that he bore the the weight of the law because everyone who is under the law is in essence under a curse and then he the prophecy of cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree is is kind of like twofold it's one of the actual someone who got killed back in the day for yeah. the disobedience, but also it's a prophetic mm-hmm. um, thought of what was going to happen with Jesus to tie him to the redemption story. So like, yeah. I think people think, well, they and read remember those, Isaiah 53 where it says, we esteemed him cursed. Yes. Mm-hmm. By God. The Jews so, thought that he was, yeah. yeah. So, so there's this sense, I think that people forget that this, all the Jesus, all the things Jesus did while he was here on earth with the Jews and his ministry, yeah. if you will, to the Jews, which is funny, we call it a ministry to the Jews because his ministry was, I need you to reject me. Yeah. yeah. That's a strange <laughs> ministry. But like all the things he did was to set the story up of, of what was coming, of the yeah. new covenant, mm-hmm. of his death and his resurrection that would yeah. free us from slavery to sin and give us righteousness. And it's funny that we have this affinity to like go back to obedience to the law, I think because we don't understand the distinction you're talking about. Yeah. That there was... Somehow we have this idea that if we live like the like God told the Jews to live, that somehow that's a more holy way to live. Yeah, and yeah. it's like we've. I think what it is is people don't actually read the New Testament. Yeah, like they 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 pick out pieces like this section you read in chapter two of Romans, Ryan. I think someone could take uh, where he says those who, those who do good. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could take that and say, see, it's these people who still obey the law like that, and that's not what he's talking about. No, he's talking about he people makes who that put, abundantly clear in chapter keep, four. If you keep reading, right, he yeah, makes yeah. it. But I think people like cherry pick because they have this affinity f- to live like the Jews did a- mm-hmm. according to the law. Yeah, I, I think that's the lie of the enemy that's continuing to kill us, and I think yeah. it's because they don't understand what you've set forth is this idea that Jesus came to the Jews to fulfill the. The, the story of redemption and how yeah. it was prophesied. He came to his people. They had to reject him so that he could be killed yeah. by them to bear sin, come back to life. And now what it does is it is it is a gospel, good news message. It brings life for all people. Yeah. Even though the Jews were the first that Jesus came to, even though the Jews were first to put their faith in Jesus, it is for everybody. Yeah. And, it is, and he sets this up pretty clear in the next chapter in Romans. Um, there's no distinction for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and right. all are justified through faith in Jesus. All are yeah. declared righteous through faith in Jesus. And so all like, of there being the Jews and the Gentiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, yeah. So I think people just miss these things because they haven't ever taken the time to think about what you're talking about. So yeah. I think it's genius yeah. to, to recognize the distinction that mm-hmm. it's Jews first and then Gentile. Yeah. This isn't a better or worse. No. This yeah. is no, no, no. a story progression. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, it, and it had to be that way. So like when God plucked Abraham up and said, hey, come and follow me. I want to make you into a great nation. Back in Genesis 12, um, it, like 
Abraham was an idol worshiper, according to Joshua 24, 2 and 3. Like Abraham and his father were worshiping idols. Like God comes to him and says, look, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make you into my people. Um, side note on that really quickly. Like it, it's amazing to me how many people miss this. I've had this conversation several times lately, but in Genesis 12, so people will read verse three and say, talking uh, into verse two, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And what's super funny is like, you have people who go, this is why America is for Israel, because God says, if you, if you bless Israel, God will bless you. And if you uh, curse Israel, God will curse you. Here's the funny part about that, that the last part of that verse, verse three, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, is quoted in two places in the New Testament as referencing salvation. That That's the context here. So the context here is salvation. And the context here is, I will make you into a great nation in verse two, isn't the nation of Israel. It's the people of Abraham people who of are faith. people of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so I will bless you, people of faith, and make your name great, and you, people of faith, will be a blessing. Yep. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. Th the conversation here is about people of faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and people which is, miss that. Which is clear in the New Testament. Romans Abundantly 4 clear. talks yeah. about that. Jesus is mad in, in John 8 because they think they're children of Abraham. He's like, like, no, you're, you're children of the devil. So like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's abundantly clear. Yeah, but but what's interesting to me is we've we've once again reduced this conversation to we're going to be nice to Israel, the the nation, because we want blessing from God. Right. And, Side and, note, just based on the narratives, I would never want to be a nation that opposes Israel. Uh, Not based on these verses, just on the basis of every time a nation opposes Israel yeah. in the narrative story, something happens to them. Well, here's what we would say. <laughs> we would still say, as we already have, that God has a purpose and a plan for the nation Absolutely. of Israel. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the, the nation of Israel will be brought into fellowship with the Father at some point. That's going to happen. Th this kind of thinking, though, is like th there's inclusion. Well, to your point a moment ago, Michael, you said that, you know, like there are people who want to observe all the Jewish customs, all the Jewish laws. There are Gentile people now who are trying to behave like Jews to do all these things, which the book of Galatians, which we've just started on Sunday mornings at the 456, it completely shreds that idea, like completely shreds the idea that you should behave like a Jew according to the law. But the other thing that does away with it is Genesis 15, 6, where Abraham is declared righteous by faith. Yeah, Righteousness is always a matter of faith. Yep. The, the scripture says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness yep. for all who believe. Like the, the Where is that? Ah, I forget. It's on the left-hand page of my Bible <laughs> in, in the first column. Which, which Bible? Uh, I don't know. 10. Uh, Romans 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Yeah. So I got you. I just pulled it out of the memory bank in the back of my head. Yeah, good. Thanks, man. For AKA sure. the search bar on my <laughs> app. <laughs> so watch the watch left hand column. That's hilarious. So like <laughs> I, I could see it, you know, <laughs> but I couldn't remember where uh, that is. I've never thought about this till just now. I have people every once in a while who say to me, when I have this conversation about like, why are you still trying to obey? Most people, most Christians, they aren't trying to obey the whole law. Right. They're trying to obey pieces of the law. Right. Mm -hmm. And the biggest one that is a big hangout for people is the Ten Commandments. Yep. So you're telling yeah. me I should obey the Ten Commandments. I'll ask them like, well, is it part of the law? Yeah. Or is it like a separate thing? Um, 
And they're like, well, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Tell me what. And they're like, well, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. Well, yeah, but that's not what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. So, yeah. but I'm going to bring this one up next time. When they say he didn't come to abolish the law, I'll say Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Like, how do you reconcile those two things together? Because what they're saying is Jesus didn't come to make the law and the necessity the to obey the law go away. And that's not what, that's, that's not, not what, what Matthew the, 5 is saying. No, no, no. no. Um, and so that it's, it's interesting why do we still why do we still try to obey pieces of the law? I think mm -hmm. it's because we have a lack of understanding of what you talk what you're talking about. Yeah. Jesus came to the Jews so that they would reject him and kill him. Yeah. And that would bring the gospel to fulfill the prophecies. Fulfill the prophecies. Yeah. He to had to die. Fulfill the law. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, Galatians 3 like he had to 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 become a curse for us in that sense of like yeah. under the law. Yeah. Yeah. So that born he would, under the law, born under the because the, the necessity was according to the law that the only way to be done with the covenant was through death. Wait, yeah. you mm -hmm. said we had to talk about this again later. Is that is this this is the one you want to talk about later? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Anyways, right now I'm saying this. Yeah. Brian might change it for me <laughs> later. But like, according to the law, the only way to be done with a covenant was through death. So the, the, the tweak oh, he's of changing it now. yeah, the, well, the <laughs> tweak of that is that's kind of the language we we've used. You're going to love this language. Okay. I, I don't think you'll have any kickback against it. The what Hebrews seven says is that a covenant is inaugurated by blood. Mm -hmm. So the death of Christ started the new covenant, right? And in starting the new covenant, the old covenant came to an end. Got it. Got it. So, got it. Got so it. So the way we tend to talk about it is, is Jesus's death. death was the end of the old covenant. It's not. It's the Jesus's death is the start of the new covenant. Got it. Which because there's a new covenant does away with the old. Does that make sense? Yeah, my head's spinning now and, with all these and, great things. And it feels subtle, but here's here's how I picture it. If you if you if you write on a page, I'm very visual, so this is not going to help anybody who's just listening or whatever, but if you write <laughs> on a page Old Covenant and you write the cross at the end of Old Covenant, the Old Covenant is a system of works that led to the death of Christ. It's kind of how that flow sure. would work in your head. Sure. And so it's like and here's how we talk about it in churches. We're like, do this and do this and do this and do mm -hmm. this, you know, so you can earn Christ's affection, so you can show God you love him, blah, 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 blah. If we put the cross at the beginning of the new covenant, which is what it is, because in Matthew 26, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant mm -hmm. and yeah. spilled for you. So the, the blood is the inauguration of the covenant, mm -hmm. right? Instead of the end of the old covenant. If you think about it like that, then the new covenant flows from the cross, Old Covenant points, like, Old Covenant's pointing to the cross, but all of the life we have as Christians, all of the power we have, what's the source of it? The cross. Mm -hmm. Everything flows forward from the cross. And so I think people put the cross as the exclamation point on the Old Covenant, and that's not it. The, the cross is the new paragraph of the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense at my, all? My head's spinning yeah. ready, like in a yeah. good way. Yeah. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, 100%. I wish you, yeah, I wish you had told me that earlier because I would have <laughs> been, like, prepped for this. Just, I'm just going to like throw up all the thoughts in I my head. I can't wait, go. It's the marriage. Right. It's the representation, even the Jewish marriage, where it's the blood that, I mean, we're not yeah. going to get like super yeah, yeah. grotesque with this, but it's the blood mm -hmm. that is the inauguration of the covenant. Yeah. So there's a lot of implications in that statement that need to be conversations for us because we've asked that question for a long time. There is the covenant that is inaugurated by blood. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, before that, you were single. Uh, maybe it's Hebrews 9, but it's Hebrews. Before that, you're single. Yeah. All right, here's the throw up that I might recant on okay. later. Um, Genesis 1, or sorry, Genesis 2. Um, Adam by himself was not able to fulfill yeah. the image of that God created him to be. So what did God do? Through a covenant, yeah. created a woman, 
Now there's this marriage, which is a picture of the relationship God has with his people, right? right. That relationship is what we're after. Right. To, and in Ephesians and Colossians, he says, through faith in Jesus, you were again made in the likeness of God, given the new self. Yeah. So it's the marriage, if you will, when you are married into the body of Christ, the husband and the wife, when you join that into that covenant, now you are no longer single in the sense of like not fulfilling the image of God. Now you are fulfilling the image of God. So the blood of the new covenant is this picture of marriage. Ephesians five, the husband and wife is actually a picture of the marriage relationship between Jesus and the church. There's all these things with what you're talking about, the inauguration of the new covenant that make total sense. So it's not that he, I've said it wrong till today, hopefully this isn't the death of the old covenant. It's the inauguration of a new covenant, which by default, well, the covenant still exists, but what but what I mean is like like I think if a Jew it won't happen, but if a Jew lived perfectly under the law, yeah, they would be declared righteous, which yes. we know Paul says in Romans can't is happen. it can't happen. But I'm saying like that still exists. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. So what this isn't like a this isn't like that that system has gone away in terms of like it's it's I know what you mean by death. Hebrews calls it obsolete. Yes, and, but it's, and says that it's fading away. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I think yeah, what yeah. I've said wrong is like almost like it's it's gone. It's fading. Yeah. It's obsolete because there's it's something powerless. better. It's powerless. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't accomplish what the intention was. Right. That's only accomplished through faith in Jesus by the inauguration of the new covenant by his right. blood. Um so yeah, I know that's so, just like a bunch of throw so up. So what like, what we do and what I've done wrong and what I think has been taught wrong is we say the Old Testament required a sacrifice so Jesus came to be the sacrifice for the Old Covenant. That's not true. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that none of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, could make anyone clean. And so the Old Covenant was faulty. But now we have a new priest with a new temple, with a new sacrifice, in a new covenant. And so that's the difference, is that Jesus isn't a sacrifice under the Old Covenant. Jesus is a sacrifice under the New Covenant. Because the old covenant had rights and rules. This is what Hebrews says, had rights and rules that went with it. And once there's a change of priesthood, what does he say? There's There's a a change of covenant as well. Mm -hmm. So Christ coming, his coming is the new priesthood. Mm -hmm. His death is the inauguration of the new covenant. This is not him fixing the old covenant. This is not him completing the old covenant. This is him abolishing the old covenant, which is another word that Hebrew Hebrews uses. I think you're still okay to use that language. No, no, yeah, I, you're, I, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think where I think the shift for me was thinking like that. That is, it is non-existent right. anymore. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, yeah, people are still trying to live by the old covenant, which is which is what Galatians is really yep. addressing. Yep. And and so what. But the problem is we've attached the death and the resurrection of Christ to the old covenant rather than to put it at the beginning of the new covenant, which yes. is how the Bible actually talks about it being. And and if you place Christ's death, this is a completely different conversation than where we started, but it's Sorry. so stinking awesome. Mm-hmm. No, like <laughs> I can't tell you how these things have been just building in my head. So like this is good for me. Uh, but the, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ uh, man, we're going to get ripped for this, but please bring me your scripture. I'd love to have this conversation. You're not going to find that that Jesus is. You're not going to find that Jesus is uh, part of the old covenant. He's the new covenant, um, and, and so, man, like the the reason that it matters where you place the cross. You're either placing the cross at the conclusion of the old covenant or at the beginning of the new covenant. The reason that it matters is because we are people who think 
progressively and think in a in a kind of a linear way, most mm-hmm. of us. And if you think of the cross at the end, what we tend to do is go, I'm a sinner here, 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 which is why I needed the cross. What we're supposed to do with the Old Testament is like, this thing made me a sinner and there's no provision for righteousness. This thing made me a sinner, there's no provision for righteousness. This thing made me a sinner, there's no provision for righteousness. I need something different. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you put Christ's death and resurrection at the end of the Old Covenant, you're always going to feel like a pathetic sinner. That's just how you're going to feel. because And then you're going to go, oh, thank God for Christ. If you put Christ at the beginning of the New Covenant, you go, oh, thank God for Christ. Mm. I am righteous. I am holy. I am forgiven. And that flows forward from the cross. They're a shadow. Yep. They're a precursor. Yep. This isn't a fulfilling of it. They are telling the story that's about to happen. Yep. And so so we talked in on here about the priesthood of Christ a while back, and there was one thing that I missed that broke my heart that I missed it. But when we were recording Simpler Bible the other day, I was like, how did I miss this before? And like, as we're recording, I'm like, well, crap, here it is. <laughs> and and so you'll remember that the Old Testament priesthood in, in uh, Exodus 28, it talks about the garments. And so he had the he had the onyx stones on his shoulders to bear remembrance before the people, before God. And then he had the, the breastplate over his heart to bear judgment for the people over his heart. But then there's the other thing that he has, and he has on his, and I think I may have alluded to this, but he has on the turban, a gold plate that says, holy to the Lord. And it says, this is so that all the things that the people brought before the Lord would basically be consecrated as holy. Meaning, meaning, because Christ is the fulfillment of all that, mm-hmm. that we we as believers by faith are remembered before God. Our judgment is dealt with over the heart before God. And everything we bring to God is declared holy by Christ. All of our offerings are declared holy because the priest has stood in the presence of God and said, these are holy to the Lord. So this is this is what Romans twelve is talking about. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. not holy and pleasing. And and the and it's not you present yourself holy and pleasing. It's no, 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 present no. yourself before God as an offering that's holy and pleasing because Christ has declared you holy and pleasing. Yes, and and so it matters where we put the cross in the story because it matter it changes how we view who we are in Christ. I have literally never thought about the old covenant as a for, foreshadowing precursor prophetic thing to the new covenant until today. Really? No, I thought about it in terms of the way you, you said a second ago that, that they're all leading up to this point when Jesus does this to like fulfill what was necessary in the old covenant, rather than thinking of the old covenant as these things are actually just prophetic proclaiming the gospel that's to come. Like you're incapable of, of doing these things. There needs to be another system, but it's like, even within that, the old system within the old covenant, there's things that proclaim what is to come. Yeah. I've never thought about it as the fulfillment. Yeah. But he, that's what he says. Totally. I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So, and that, you mentioned that already. That's a super interesting point. What we tend to do, let me say that differently. What I used to do is I'd read that as the rules. I yep. didn't come to abolish the rules, but to fulfill the rules. But if you read the New Testament in its entirety, Paul refers to text in Psalms and calls it the law. Yep. Paul mm. refers to text in Isaiah and calls it the law. So from the Jewish perspective, the, the law is the thing that points to Christ, which is why Jesus in Luke 24 says he explained to them from the law and the prophets and the Psalms how all these things pointed to him. Mm-hmm. So when, when Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, he means I didn't come to do away with those things that foreshadow and prophesy me, mm-hmm. but yep. to fulfill them. And now, not one letter of the law will pass away until they're all fulfilled. The only part that hasn't been fulfilled yet is what's coming is his return. The, mm-hmm. I I'm with you. I used to, I think until today I thought of the fulfillment being like 
he fulfilled all the necessary requirements. Rather than right. I see what you're saying. Rather than yeah, saying not at all. rather than saying it's not fulfilling like, the requirements. Like it's he's a better lamb. It's fulfilling what they were pointing to. Right. I've literally never I thought see, about I that see. till today. So you were thinking of it from the legality. Yes. That here's the legal standard that Christ needed to fulfill, rather to, than to these bring in the new covenant. Were a model of what he was going to do. Just pointing to the new covenant. Yeah. And he mm. fulfilled the new covenant. He fulfilled all these prophetic yep. things. Literally yeah, yeah. brand new it, thought today. It what sucks is it, you probably thought that for a long time and I've just not known. Yeah. yeah. How did you did you No, yeah. I was battling with it this entire time and I was like, they're gonna say something that triggers it for me. And what you just said did. Good. Because you said you said it the he the old covenant was a a foreshadowing model for what pro- proclaiming what Christ would do. Because I kept thinking in my head, like, but he was a sacrifice, but he was a priest, but he, he was is. those things. But for the new covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it wasn't it wasn't that he I mean, I guess, I guess help me with some language for this, yeah. because we did say that Christ was born under the law to, to fulfill the law. And so yeah. I guess, but, but not, not don't touch a dead lizard. I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to figure yeah, out the yeah, language yeah, in yeah. my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. The change, the change for me is the fulfill. Like he was born under the law. Like the necessity was, I think where I've always thought is the necessity for him to be born as a Jew under the law was to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law mm-hmm. rather than seeing that the story was and has always been that God would send salvation to the Jews first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, the, 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 the prophecy was that God would through, yes. he told Abraham through your line, the savior will come. That's basically mm-hmm. what he says. Yeah. Right. So it's, it was prophesied to Abraham that the, the savior would come through his biological line of people, mm-hmm. which is the, the nation of Israel, the Jews. Yeah. Right. So the shift for me, I think just now is the fulfillment is not fulfilling like the requirements of the law, yeah. but the fulfilling, rules. right. But fulfilling the, the Profe- prophetic nature the prophetic of that the voice. savior was going to come through that yeah. line, be born into those people who happened to be under a covenant of law, yeah, an yeah. old covenant. And by fulfilling the, not the requirements of the law, but for the, the rules, the rules, but yeah. fulfilling the prophecy of the coming savior. Mm-hmm. He does in essence, away with the old covenant and inaugurates the new. Yeah. yeah. That's I, the well, shift. Just I now think the me. shift and, for me is, is thinking about it from the perspective of, of which is, we have always taught this, but like Christ, Christ being first, yeah. like Christ is always the plan. And so like, if, if this is, if this is the old covenant is pointing to what is to be pointing to essentially all these sacrifices suck. There's going to be a sacrifice that's yeah. better. There's all these priests suck. There's going to be a priest that's better. Um, and knowing that like the goal was to always point to that, not, oh crap, here's a crappy system. Yeah. Right. Let me, let me fix the system yeah. or whatever. Which is how people treated it. Right. Which is really funny because like, I would always say, I would always teach that way, but it's funny that just the shift in the thought of understanding yeah. that this is something that isn't, isn't yeah. put into place that Jesus has to like submit himself under to fulfill just to try to figure out how to break it, try to figure out a plan, but rather he was always the plan. Yeah. And this is to point to how he would inaugurate the new covenant. Which I think is what Galatians 3 I, I is talking about, about the curse, like he became cursed for us, is, is prophetic that, he yeah. would come die on a tree. And that was yes. their viewpoint is that yeah. curses everyone who's hung on a tree. Isaiah 53, we can, we esteemed him stricken, stricken by, by God. God. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not he that, wasn't stricken it's by not God. that the yeah. necessity was that he, I, like, this is like blowing my mind a little bit. It's not yeah. the necessity that he had to come and fulfill the righteous requirements of the rules of the law. It's that when he was born under that system and then when they rejected him and he, in essence, became a curse because he was hung on a tree Yep, mm-hmm. that he fulfilled the prophecy of the coming savior. Like yep. he is proclaiming. So Galatians three is about Jesus yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. I'm the savior yeah, I, yeah, I, for sure. Why have I, I've, sometimes you say that, like, why well, have I never thought that before? But like, it's so, 
and it's probably not clear to people that are going to listen to this. They're going to be like, man, that's the messiest thing you guys have said. <laughs> but like right I, now, it's so stinking rich. Right now, it's really clear to me. Like, there's all these things that I've thought, and they're probably minor things in how it sounds when I teach it. But like, the beauty of the prophecy of the coming Savior throughout the entire Scripture, um, up to the point of Jesus. I'm saying, I'm just yeah. going to say that for the coming of the Savior. It looks completely different in my head now. Like I'm not, I'm not thinking about it's on this side of the page like no. you do. I'm thinking about like I can see the narrative story yeah. and how it's built up this entire way. Or even when Jesus says, um, someone asked him with the lawyer, "What's the greatest commandment?" Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. He is shaping this dude's perspective yep. because the dude's asking a question about law, like yep. rules, and Jesus is turning his thought to say the whole law was actually, yep. in essence, about your loving. relationship with yeah, God, loving God. Like, so, so like even in that answer, he's changing the paradigm of how this guy's think, how this guy thinks, yep. probably trying to get him to think like, do you have that relationship with God or not? Yeah. And I think what we tend to do sometimes as preachers is we say, see, here's the greatest commandment, obey this commandment. That's not what Jesus is. He's no, not no, saying no. obey the commandment. He's saying, stop thinking about your the law. relationship with God based on the rules of the law. Yeah. Love the question God. is, do you have a love relationship yeah. with God? And we yeah. know that that can't happen outside of faith in Jesus. Cannot. But if, if you think about all these things that point to, so the establishment, here's what we've got to start doing. And this is where our shift has to happen. I, I don't envy you. I don't know what you're going to title this one anymore, Pierce, because we're- There's like 20 different I, topics. I, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of want to put Jews first, question mark? Kind of. It's funny because people will think we'd mean theologically. I just yeah. mean topic-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but what people do is people think that the Aaronic priesthood was ironic yeah not ironic yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that's a fun way to say it, it is. yeah, yeah. Uh, no makes, you said it right i just think yeah it's, and just it's a funny sound it makes me almost sound smart it says it, in, Reve like, in revelations like a, somewhere <laughs> joking uh but the the system of the ironic priesthood was was not started in hopes that it would be successful and then christ was like well okay let me go fix it the ironic priesthood was established to point to christ it's so it's so freaking simple, and yeah. have I never caught that before? And, like all those things are well, Hebrews literally says it, and I think I've just never seen it through the. It, I've had a filter. It, it's a tweak. It's I've, just a tweak. I've had a filter it, when I read Hebrews. Yeah, but it makes a big difference, right? Yeah. And and so what's interesting is, do you know who the first person that the Bible mentions as filled with the Holy Spirit was? It's the guy who created the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, in in oh, Exodus thirty one. Interesting. Why? Why? Because in Exodus 25, when God gives Moses those commandments and says, here's what it needs to look like, in Exodus 25, verse 9, and Exodus 25, verse 40, he says, build it exactly as you see it. Build it exactly as I'm showing you. And Hebrews 10 says, it's because it's a model of heaven. Mm. Mm. So the first guy filled with the Holy Spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit to create a tabernacle that, that models like heaven. heaven. That models heaven. It's still, it's still yep. prophetic. It's still a foreshadowing. Put, put the veil up. What happened in Matthew uh, 26 when Jesus breathed his last, right? The veil is torn top to bottom. What does Hebrews say? That we have entered into the holy place through the veil, which is Christ's body torn for us. So Christ is the veil, the holy of holies, the very presence of God. Yeah. Like all of these things are established so that you can see God, so that you can see Christ, right? Jesus fulfills every single one of those things. Every single one. And so that's the thing is, look, if... Think about it like this. If I wanted people to know who you guys were, I'm I'm up in Oregon visiting. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? I got a good friend, Ryan Cadillier in Colorado. 
And we didn't get to go see him this past summer, but the two previous summers, we became Instagram friends. We were friends for five years before we ever met. Love this dude, godly man, fantastic family. And we've stayed with him a couple of times. So I want you guys to meet him. We're all going to be in Colorado. I said, look, come by Ryan's house. And I am describing him because I got to run to the store and I'm telling them about you. And I'm saying this about you and I'm talking about you guys and I'm giving, and I've said, it's kind of like this. And I do impressions of you and I'm, and I dress like you or whatever, right? I'm not you, but all of it is for what? So that when you show up, he, he recognizes knows. you're at the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is that like everything in the old Testament was set up. So they would recognize, so they Jesus. would recognize Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ isn't coming to fix a broken system. Yeah. Everything and- in the old Testament was just a play so that when the reality showed up, you would know. Dang yeah. it. It's so freaking simple. And I've, I feel like I've spent how many years? Like not not thinking of it so clearly. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's just it's exactly what you said. Like I think that just the way that I view the word fulfillment is a little bit different, which is why that was a different for you and I. But I think yeah. it's right. There's just a little as a key point of like ah, it was a filter. That's the, you yeah. and I had a filter up yeah. of what we thought that meant. And so like viewing it as so at least from my perspective, I think of this, but like Jesus is is always the intended covenant, right? Always, always the intended. Covenant. Ephesians I think what I tended to do is look at the old covenant and new covenant as a singular line with mm-hmm. a break or a to be continued moment or something like that. Instead of realizing yeah. Jesus is always the line and in the midst of history and this point of time, God's plan was to give this line to run in conjunction with this, to always point to this line. I know it's a weird That's visual, a lot but of it's, 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 working, so, it's working in my head. There's a lot watch, of lines. watch this part. Uh, so two, two lines running in conjunction with, with each other, old covenant only pointing to this, only pointing to new covenant. And then by the time cross happened, Jesus happened. We have no more need for the old covenant to point to this. His death inaugurates yeah. the new covenant. Which, that doesn't help anybody else but me. Which so makes I apologize obsolete the old covenant. So mm-hmm. like you said a moment ago, and it's just a tweak, I think, but like we can't say the old covenant came to an end and then Christ died. We have to say Christ died to inaugurate the new covenant and mm-hmm. the establishing of the new covenant made obsolete the old. Yeah. Here's why. You don't need the play anymore. Because the real thing because here. the real thing is here, which is what Colossians says when he says, "Of the, don't let anyone act as your judge in regard to Sabbath or new moon or festivals. Yeah. These things are a, sab, a sub, uh, shadow, the of substance the of which is Christ. So you don't need the form anymore when you have the reality. You don't need the image anymore when you have the reality. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's so clear in my head right now, and it it feels you have these moments. I feel like more often where you're like, dang it, I'm having that moment right now where I'm like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've missed all these opportunities for so long. What you've to just like said say is, I am wrong a lot. No, no, no. I, have I these think these moments of clarity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have these moments way more than I do. I'm really right? thankful I listen. <laughs> I think there's there's a reality of of us, of me and you, Ryan, that we've seen through the years. One is you, you, like your your tendency is like you have an idea and you are uh, on that stuck on that it, idea. Yeah. At the same time, you're intaking more information and remembering more information than I am. So I think that's the part of it is that you're like when you when you mull over something for months and you bring it to me and Pierce and you're like, what do you think about that? And Pierce and I'm like, oh yeah. Part of that I think is that we are personality wise are not stuck to the system as much. Yeah. Part of that mm-hmm. is that we're also not taking as much info in, so we're not having to think about it quite as detailed as you are. Sure. Secondly, I think what we just proved is that there are filters in Pierce and I's mm-hmm. life that are in place that we have not recognized because we're not doing the same process. So like Pierce and I intake the scripture a lot, mm-hmm. but not compared to how much you're intaking it every year. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll text you guys stuff as I'm thinking through it or reading right. through it or listening through it. That is probably like off the wall stuff where 
sometimes I'll text you guys something and you'll even yeah. say, Ryan, like I've never thought about that before, which is it's weird so to me. Beautiful. Like, yeah. which is weird because I'm like, dude, he's like read the Bible <laughs> way more than I am. How did you know? Anyway, so that's my point is like, I think that there's nuances here. What I, my hope is that people will hear, man, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah. We've been walking with Jesus and intensely studying the scripture and teaching the scripture for a long time. Yeah. I, I Man, and we're still I'm, learning. I'm about to be 43 and I just now, like that is a huge thing that I've missed. Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't think change the message of the gospel. Heck no. But what it does is it changes. Salvation is still by faith in Christ. What it does for me is it's going to change the way I'm able to teach from the Old Testament because now yep. I can say, look, this is a proclamation of, this of the gospel. This is a proclamation yeah. of the coming savior. Yeah. It, it's not a huge deal. I'm not saying I've preached heresy, but I think I've missed an opportunity to, to make people realize the beauty of yeah. of the the foreshadowing that the Old Testament brings instead of letting I'm still convinced of this that the number one the number one thing the enemy's doing with believers now is convincing them that they should still live according to the old covenant I, and not the yeah. and I was going to say I think that we three are also products of that kind of teaching in 100%. church where the or culture okay where, even say this like my culture. dad my dad's a phenomenal bible teacher 100%. i don't think my dad believes that but i think that the culture i grew up in in his church culture yeah yeah it was was, was like even when i was in high school and college like you like you would be considered a sinner to drink alcohol yeah. that's what i mean those we're, kind we're of things still holding people to the standard of the old covenant yeah when the new covenant has made obsolete the old yep mm -hmm. that needs to be the line here's the other thing this is something people don't think about Hebrews 7, 8, and 9 says the Old Covenant is obsolete, the Old Covenant is fading away, the Old Covenant is powerless. So if we attach the cross to the Old Covenant, obsolete, powerless, fading yeah. away, you can't do that. No, mm -hmm. no. Like, how can the cross be attached to that which is obsolete? Right, which I would have said before, like, no, 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 it's because the cross right. did away with it. Instead of saying, no, the cross was the inauguration of, of the, the new, new covenant, covenant. So because the old one wasn't was would never bring you righteousness yeah. would never so bring you I, I've said before on here that I feel like the gospels need to be in their own place in the Bible yeah it's because they're what we do There's is we the in between right what we do is we read New Testament and we think New Covenant but because the New Covenant isn't established until so his death and the resurrection end, the gospels yeah the New Covenant isn't established until the last couple of pages of each of those mm -hmm. gospels that and he is coming to show what he's bringing them. which brings into light like all all the all the kickback we got on the thought for the Sermon on the Mount. Right. This is all about proclamation of, yeah. of of Jesus, which we need to do another episode soon on the, oh no, did we just do one on the beginning of, we did, the Beatitudes? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the kickback on Matthew 5, 6, and 7 makes sense if you're still trying to say that Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the rules of the law of the Old Testament. Yeah. But if you say, no, 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 um, all the things Jesus said prior to his death and resurrection was a proclamation of that he's the Messiah. Now it makes sense. Like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's preaching to these people. That's me. Well, mm -hmm. I, and I know we've gone long, but one more thought. The Jews in the New Testament make circumcision, physical circumcision of the body, such an important point of conversation where they say, no, 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 we have the covenant of circumcision. Even in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 4, uh, Deuteronomy, sorry, Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 30, Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah 9, um, uh, there's a couple of other places. It, even in the Old Testament, God says he's only concerned with circumcision of the heart. 
even in the Old Testament. Yeah. And and he says in Jeremiah, I believe it's nine, uh, he says, I will there will be a day that I will punish the people who are only circumcised in their bodies. So the Jews should have understood that the removal of the flesh, what it talks about in Romans and Colossians, is the removal of those things that don't belong to God by coming to him in faith. Mm-hmm. And so we are no we no longer he's always been interested in the heart. So even the covenant of circumcision, which the Jews in the New Testament held up as are you circumcised? You should be circumcised. They even missed that, and it's very plain in the Old Testament. It's not even a, a New Testament conclusion that Jesus finally introduces and goes, hey, you guys missed it. It's been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't catch it. Yeah, Oh well. and, and faith has been there the whole time. I was going to say, like, yeah. now that I'm realizing this, it's like, it's all been there the whole time. Yeah. We just, we just, I've never, I've never thought about that before. Yeah. One last, one last thing I saw Dr. Farley say recently on an Instagram post is, I mean, it's a conversation maybe we could have later too, but just to introduce the idea, he said, um, in essence, like your, your hearts have been renewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you have a new heart. You have a heart that is bent on Jesus. He said, so, so p- people ask, well, what about when you sin? He goes, no, no, that's your attitude. That's your mind drawing you yeah. away. He goes, it's your heart that brings you back. I thought that's an interesting thought that it's your, mm. if you've been given a new heart, that it's your heart that brings you back from sin. It's mm. your mind that makes you wander into sin. But like what, what brings you back is that you, your heart is already renewed. Yeah, that, yeah, like so, it just made me think about that with like mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, or Old Covenant, yeah. New Covenant. Sorry, no, did he connect any of that to as a Romans twelve? Sure he, uh, be transformed. It was like, like a short. Oh, clip. I, like, I, I didn't listen to the whole. I don't know because isn't the the language in, in Romans twelve like a continuous thing? Like you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, or am I thinking something? Uh, no, totally no, no, no. That's so. The, the verse before that, he says, "Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice." The mm-hmm. word "offer" there is like this. It's like you. It's not like you make a continual offering over and over again. It's like you. It's like a once and for all kind of offering. Okay, so offer that, that and of? then and then be transformed, and so through yeah, that offering, yeah. you are transformed by the I don't, of your Yeah, I think that the mind thing is a continual thing. It's a side. We can do another one. Yeah, anyways, I just maybe think about that with old covenant, new covenant is like the old covenant. The necessity was if you screw up, yeah, you got to you got to have it covered again. Yeah, new covenant, it's done once you, for all. You screw up. It's it's not that it changes your position before God. You yeah. don't have to like he offer a, sacrifice for righteousness. He remains a priest forever, forever, and. Aaron could only go in once a year. Christ remains forever. So mm-hmm. bearing remembrance, bearing the judgment, and bearing, uh, um, calling us holy, declaring so here, us holy. So here's my question for all the people who are like, no, we should still obey the old covenant. Ready? Why is Jesus not enough? Why is Jesus not enough, <laughs> man? Why? My favorite. So, I mean, I know we, we, we there's done, no simpler for this. Yeah, sorry. There, there's no, I, yeah, there's I no can't, time. I can't, I'm like too, I'm, I'm too I'm off sorry. the wall to like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I can't. The, okay, ready? No, no, no. I'll give you a simpler. Ready? Jesus is the fulfillment. There you go. Period. 